Welcome to Hugging and Learning, a podcast where we watch very special episodes of TV from the 70s, 80s, and 90s and see what they have to teach us today. This week, we are watching the show Dinosaurs. Woo! The episode is called Steroids to Heaven. Mm-hmm. Season 3, episode 15, originally aired February 12th, 1993, and it was written by Mark Drop. And you can watch it and the rest of the show on Hulu. See how much you can stand. <laughs> It's a bit cloying these days. Uh, I didn't make it past that baby when I tried to rewatch it. I'm, oh. I'm done. Oh, no. I'm sorry. It's fantastic. Not only is it an annoying character, but it's also, and this is the phrase that I've I've heard we're using now. It's also voiced by embattled puppeteer, <laughs> Kevin Clash. Oh, Elmo. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And crimes. Yeah. Allegedly. Allegedly. Embattled puppeteer, Kevin Clash. Yes. Uh, he's not the only fucking star in this series. I had a real problem with the fact that all of the characters sounded like adults, even the kids in high school. It was just like adult voice actors. Uh, Sally Struthers is Charlene, the youngest daughter. I just, it, it, it was kind of like, what? Okay, so we're not even going to attempt to sound like non-adults. Anyway. So we'll talk about that more in a second. We have yeah. more important business mm-hmm. first, and that's today's snack. Which, Chelsea, you picked this up. I did. I saw it at the store. <clears throat> Mozzarella and in marinara flavored <laughs> ruffles. There's a picture of like a fried cheese stick on the front. Mm. So I'm guessing this is one of those Willy Wonka style things where it's like a whole meal. It's both, sure. both the cheese and the breading and the... And the sauce, marinara sauce, and all its itinerant spices and things. The sauce. The sauce. All of that is supposed to be contained in one one bite of chip. Sure. So if we eat one of these, are we going to blow up to the uh, large? Are we going to become a large mozzarella stick? Large mozzarella stick. Fucking great. That's all I've ever wanted. (laughs) And then the cannibalism begins. Okay. Yay! They're going to put me in the movies. They're going to make the big star out of me We'll make the film about a man that's sad and lonely And all I gotta do is act naturally Nah. No, no. <laughs> it's it's not great. Like they've they've definitely there was like a couple moments there where I was like, oh, I can almost I can almost taste an actual mozzarella. If stick. I imagine real hard. Yeah, there's like a little bit of that powdered cheese taste, and then of course it's a potato chip, so there's a potato taste. Yeah. There's nothing resembling like a tomato, or I don't even know what you would do to make it taste like like breading and herbs and things. I mean, it's just too many things to try to chemicalize and sprinkle on one chip. Maybe. I don't I don't know if it's my advanced age. <laughs> For those of you who are listening, I am 105 years old. <laughs> but I'm just not into like, this tastes kind of like a thing. There Clearly, we combined these 500 chemicals together, and it fools your mouth into thinking of that. It just it doesn't taste like the thing. I'm into that on like a bougie scale, like a molecular oh. gastronomy oh, yeah, scale. Man. If That's <laughs> super fun. Here's the thing. If you gave me a potato chip at a restaurant and you were like, we've imbued this right, right. with the spirit of mozzarella sticks. And it's got mm, marinara sauce. foam. Yeah. <laughs> then I would be... This, if, this it's would like be... A, if it's like a Jose Andreas does marinara oh, chip yeah. situation, then we're I think we're both agreed that we're super into that. Sure. Even if it tastes exactly the same as this, I'd be like... <laughs> Ooh la la, yes, I will pay $50 for this. My life's a lie. Regular ruffles are so good, and then your old-fashioned, like, sour cream and onion barbecue, all those flavors are just so tried and true. Mm -hmm. I just don't feel like you get any bang for your buck going way, way outside the box on this one. I don't think we need this anymore, folks, as, like, a society. I don't think we need... Three types of potato chips, the end. <laughs> so let's talk about a goddamn episode of television, yeah, first, Chelsea. First, let's talk about the, the show, Dinosaurs. And I have to mention that this show, not specifically this episode, but this show was suggested by Claudia and Lauren. And so thanks, guys, because I kind of never thought about doing an episode of Dinosaurs since it's entirely puppeted. Yeah. It's not a live action show. It ran for 65 episodes, four seasons between 1991 and 1994. The show was famously Jim Henson's idea. Mm -hmm. He wanted to make a sitcom that followed the basic family sitcom formula 
with the twist that the family would be dinosaurs, yeah. the whole thing would be made using puppets and animatronics. But sadly, he passed away about a year before the sitcom went into production and premiered on ABC. So he never saw a single episode. Yes, and I'm actually not surprised uh, Dinosaurs was suggested. I watched this growing up, and I do remember there were a couple times where they got a little bit intense. Yeah. But I mean, this is along the same lines as uh, your Fraggle Rocks or your yeah. anything that Jim Henson did. It always had to have some sort of ecological, socio-economical mm-hmm. point to it. Yeah. I remember having, I think from Pizza Hut, because if you remember, Pizza Hut used to give out toys like McDonald's yeah. did. I remember having a baby Sinclair hand puppet. Oh, uh, yeah, that hard hand puppet where it's yeah. like, if your hand isn't this small, bye. It was like an oven mitt, basically. Yeah, if you were a big um, kid, then you know, you're out of luck. <laughs> so the show was extraordinarily expensive to make. Mm-hmm. Each episode took a long time. Each 23-minute episode took 170 times longer to make than Jesus it did to air. Jesus Christ, um, really? Yeah, it took approximately 65 hours to produce, and at its peak, there were 90 people working on the set to meet the deadlines. They worked pretty much around the clock. And it wasn't like Elf, where there was one puppet, which adds some time. There there were no non-puppet characters on the show. They have to get all of the blocking down, which is already, like, in every possible sitcom, a nightmare. And then they have to get, like, the animatronic blocking down, like, did this person raise their eyebrows at the right time? You have to match up the voice recording with the way the animatronics are going. You have to make all make sure all of the animatronics in a certain scene function in concert with all the other things. It, that's a nightmare. It was um, super expensive to the point where they started releasing the episodes on video almost as soon as they aired them to try to mm. kind of defray some of the cost Makes of sense. making the show. As a joke, all of the surnames of the dinosaurs are taken from petroleum companies. Sure. Um, Sinclair. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Uh, it And it references the false idea that oil reserves come from dead dinosaurs. Sure, of course. Jessica Walter from Arrested Development is the mother Fran. Mm. Sally Struthers, famous Shill on behalf of Africa. <laughs> Woof. I could have figured no. out a better way to say she that. She was on Three's Company. That you're thinking of Suzanne Summers. Who's Sally Struthers? Sa- oh, she Sally was on Struthers. she was like on she's still performing on stage. I know her from you know, various commercials on daytime TV where she's pleading into the camera to, to for help for starving kids in Africa. And then the most surprising thing to me is rounding out this cast list, playing Spike, a, a series regular, is Christopher Maloney. Law and Order, SUVs, Oz, and SVU. SUV, no, no, no. It's the one where they... Special they, Victims Unit. Yeah, I know. But it's the other one where they look into sport utilities. <laughs> yes. Uh-huh. Sport utility. Uh, let's not talk anymore. <laughs> Everybody else uh, who's in this, you could recognize from their work doing other Muppets. Mm-hmm. It's a real tight-knit family with the Muppets there. Yeah. Henson poached a lot of Sesame Street puppeteers to come over that and make, make dinosaurs. Yeah. If you have never seen the show... Patriarch Earl Sinclair is a megalosaurus. His wife, Fran, is an allosaurus. The children are all a completely made-up species for the sake of the show. Mm -hmm. The maternal grandmother, Ethel, who does not appear in this episode, was originally a pterodactyl that was supposed to hang upside down in a closet. (laughs) Sure. Um, But she became more of a core character, so she evolved into the character we know now, who's always seated. She's never, she never stands. Yeah, so that's the history of the show. obnoxious baby Sinclair, who... Oh, baby Sinclair. Who had a catchphrase. Oh, multiple catchphrases. um, In fact, while developing the personalities for each of the characters, co-creator and writer Bob Young used his own third son for inspiration. Not the mama and I'm the baby gotta love me were things that his son said. And they became the most popular quotes from the series were printed on t-shirts, buttons, other merchandise. There There was was a a song. Damn song. Which I rewatched the video for and was like, I remember every word of this. It was lodged in a deep, dark corner of my brain where I had forgotten i had no access to it until i started watching it and then i was like i can sing along to this it was barely tolerable at the time but i mean this is you know 93 where you know catchphrases are king the biggest did i do that yep it's just somebody shrieking all the time it's just like a more obnoxious screechier elmo 
yelling at people and we spend so much time on it every episode that it's yeah. like, I don't, I, why am I doing this to but myself? It's that, but it's that Urkel effect of like, what this is what people like. Yeah. So I was actually a little surprised we didn't even see the baby until halfway through this specific episode. I was, it was a pleasant surprise. <laughs> so we start this episode at the high school and already... Yeah. La Brea, a, Bob La Brea High Bob School. Bob La Brea High School. <laughs> Which is hilarious because La Brea means tar, so it's like a tar pit mm-hmm. joke. And it's uh, home of the fighting trilobites. Yep. If you nice. look this up on IMDb, it will tell you that Dinosaurs is set in 60 million three BC hmm. in Pangea. Yes. <laughs> Which I thought was pretty hilarious. They do a good job with that sort of comedy later on it's like you're trying to alienate everyone on the continent right earl's job the father is to push over trees <laughs> for the we say so corporation yep and they work under the supervisor of their boss bp richfield bp yeah. and richfield both being petroleum companies absolutely they're a working class dinosaur family yeah so we start out at the high school where robbie and friend spike uh-huh. I-, I seem to remember at the beginning of the series spike and Robbie were enemies, and then somewhere along the way they become friends. Yeah. And he is like a shitty Fonzie. He, yeah, he's like the, your friend that's kind of on the wrong, usually from the wrong side of the tracks. He's mm. a little bit more streetwise than your nerdy protagonist kid. Yeah. He's like a dino Fonzie, and usually he gives bad or self serving advice. Yeah. But usually. in this episode, he's like a super mentor character. He always says and does the right thing. Yeah. Um, and it's one of the few sitcom shows that we've watched, maybe the first one we've watched and talked about, where there is a real mentor character the whole way through. Absolutely. Absolutely. That always is saying and doing the right thing. And that archetype is portrayed by Spike in this episode. So we open this episode and we're right into what the big deal is. Yeah, the call to adventure is the first five seconds. It is. It's pretty much. Uh, Robbie and Spike are walking by. Caroline Foxworth? What? Is that her last, her last name? name? That's a weird last name for a dinosaur. She's walking. I'm sure it's probably some minor brand of... Oh, petroleum. Yeah. Maybe. Walks by and Robbie has a crush on Carolyn. Caroline? Caroline. Who cares? Uh, she is long dead now. <laughs> <laughs> she was a teenager in 60 million three BC, so... Yeah. Irrelevant now. <laughs> the whole thing is that Robbie has a crush on Caroline. They seem to be friends. She says hi to him. He says hi to her. And then Spike's like, have you kissed her yet? And Robbie says no. And then he says, help me. And then that's the call to adventure. Oh, there you go. Kiss, let's help me to find a way to kiss Caroline. Because this is going to set some stuff up later on. He says, why don't you ask her to the dance? There's the paradise under the meteor. Yep, romance under the meteors. Romance under the meteors. (laughs) Dance is coming up. And he's like, why don't you go ask her? This is perfect because Christopher Maloney is doing the only voice that I know how to do, which is vague New Yorker. (laughs) Why don't you go over there and ask her out? So he goes over there and starts asking her out. And it feels like it's very obvious that he's about to ask her out. And then Dolph... This big fat dinosaur walks by. <laughs> yep. Like I'm confused. This this episode presents the aesthetic of dinosaur beauty differently at every point. Yeah, so, it truly does. Uh, I don't I don't even know what I believe is a beautiful dinosaur <laughs> anymore. Uh, Dolph uh, walks Dolph. by, and in the middle of Robbie trying to b- build up to asking her out, she's like, "Oh, there's Dolph. He's such a specimen. Oh my goodness, he's so hot. I have a crush on him and stuff like that." And then says, "Don't tell anybody I said this." You're such a good friend. Uh, it feels kind of mean to say all that stuff in front of Robbie. However, <laughs> I feel like you and I are about to disagree about this, maybe. Yeah. She's embarrassed. <laughs> to, Caroline, the dinosaur, is embarrassed to have let on so much of her crush. And she's like, oh, Robbie, don't tell anyone I said that. And he's like, oh, I won't. And she says, you're a real friend. And then you get this echo effect of like, friend, 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 mm-hmm. as we zoom in on Robbie's face. And I'm just like, here we go again with the friend zone bullshit. So Robbie chickened out on asking her to the dance and somehow now it's her fault. Yeah, it's not. It's not that. And there's really look, let's let's start here. All of the blame on this episode is going to be on Robbie. Robbie. But there are misunderstandings along the way for which we are just glossed over. Right. None of those take away from Robbie's responsibility. We are seriously talking about the, the sexual politics of dinosaurs right we now. We are, and but this I want to make a point about it. Juilliard. I <laughs> this is fine for me because I'm just some I went to some bullshit in Virginia. <laughs> And they don't care. They're like, wow, he's doing really well. I got all A's in my dinosaur sexuality and gender politics class at Juilliard. So oh, that's that's fine. But- I learned about dinosaur sex on the streets. <laughs> 
gas stations like everyone else. Um, The reason I want to make a big point here is because I feel like the writers do a good job at the end. And so I I'm not calling it out to be like, look at these idiots. I mean, there's enough of that in this episode to go around. I I want to call out right now that Uh he's hemming and hawing and saying there's a a dance and maybe a thing. And like I was, you know, the uh, happenstance and just like word soup coming out of his mouth. Then she walks away and he's like, oh, no, I'm in the friend zone. And I'm like you didn't actually ask her anything. Yeah, it's true. It's not her fault she couldn't read your mind. Yeah. Okay. Um, we'll, we'll we'll get into all of this. I'm sure it's probably... I don't care enough to try to defend a stance on this. So. Right. I just want to say the friend zone does not exist and girls are oh, not yeah. machines that you feed niceness coins into until they go out with That's you. That's not the... It's not like a punch card where it's like, well, I listened to you bitch about exactly. crappy boys for long enough and now I get my free coffee. Right. But so, which means sex. We're going to come back around to this at the end. Fantastic. Now, Robbie has decided she wants a guy that looks like Dolph. Absolutely. Yeah. So we're into the titles, and the title sequence is just, it's perfect. The first half is this foreboding dinosaur stomping through the jungle Creatures are hiding from him. Yeah. Yeah. And then it goes into a wacky honeymooners thing. It is... A Jurassic That's Park exactly beginning, what I wrote. and I then wrote. it's the honeymooners, which is the entire idea of this show. It's perfect. This is what I wrote. You think you're watching Jurassic Park, but surprise, it's the Jurassic Honeymooners. That's exactly Jurassic honeymooners. what yeah. I wrote. And that's say what you will. The music is really obnoxious, but this is perfect because it's the it's the log line or the 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 pitch of the show is like it's Jurassic Park meets the honeymooners. Yeah, this is a big a big feature of the show is that this is not a feel good family that supports each other and loves each other. This is a dysfunctional family where the dad's an idiot, the mom is long-suffering, the kids are brats. Like, the formula is a kind of a family guy type of formula. It's it's the Flintstones except from the dinosaurs' point of view. (laughs) (laughs) That said, things are not going to get... They're going to get worse before they get better, except they're not going to get better. Also, it's about to... It, like, happens right away. The cruelty from one family member to the next is is upsetting. So we get into it and we're at the Sinclair household and Robbie is studying, but he really he's really mulling over this whole thing. And so he asks his sister, his younger sister Charlene, if she wants to have a frank discussion about life. And then he bribes her five dollars and, and she says she'll do it. So he says, Charlene, what do you look for in a guy? And she says He's got to have dimples and look like the star of one of those zip code shows with bulging muscles and cool ripped clothing and a hot name like Deke or Zach. Negative. Uh, no. <laughs> no woman longs to breathlessly exclaim Deke. Oh, my God. Oh, Deke. Just and, isn't the thing. Sorry, all you Deeks out there. <laughs> Robbie's like, cool, so shorten my name to Rob, step one. Or just um, fucking call yourself Deke if that's... I, I mean, I thought I understood how dinosaurs were, but, you know, no, already they're challenging We're learning things. We're learning things. Uh, and then uh, Robbie says something along the lines of, don't cr- girls care about things like integrity and brains? She and she's like, I guess if they're pushing 30. She says... No, first he's like, what about niceness and integrity? She says, that's not a deal breaker. <laughs> Right. Which is pretty smart. Which is high school. Yeah. Yeah. It is. But then Charlene figures out that Robbie is asking for his own sake and then shits all over him. Yeah. She starts making fun of him. So he starts chasing her. He's trying to get his $5 back. And they run into the living room where the parents are sitting. And mom, Fran, wants to know why they're fighting. And dinosaur Peter Griffin uh, says, it's obvious why girls don't go for skinny eggheads. Duh. But this is the point where I wrote, why is Robbie wearing a Letterman jacket? It's confusing costuming. He's yeah. wearing a Letterman jacket and like athletic socks pushed down and some red dinosaur converse. They, he looks very jockey. If I remember correctly, he plays some form of like dinosaur basketball or something like that. They're just playing fast and loose with Yeah, they're like, you're such a nerd. Are. You're such an egghead the whole episode. And I'm like... He's then he nuts. should be wearing a cardigan, Steve yeah. Urkel style. Pocket This protector. is the 90s. We yeah. know what nerds look like. They don't wear Letterman jackets. That's true. They're trying to make this point, and they're like, well, he's not very buff, though, as an athlete. Yeah. Athletosaur. <laughs> um, so everybody starts calling him Chicken Boy. Fine. And then they leave, and Fran tells Earl that he better talk to Robbie and assure him that 
physical stuff isn't everything. Right. Or she'll never give him dinner again. Yeah, because before that, she says, you know, some girls go for boys who share their interests and speak and dress nicely and treat them with respect. And Earl says, you're talking about ugly girls, right? Yeah. And I was like... So a lot of characters better get some comeuppance for this rife and lazy misogyny. but uh, And most of them do. So Robbie's like, the girl of my dreams ignores me. And mom says, maybe she's not the girl for you. And I wrote, maybe she's not property and you should just tell her how you feel and let her make up her own mind. Just spitballing here. So stay at 21 minutes. Yeah. <laughs> They're um, doing their best. So it's dad the goes 90s. to help. Mom's like, you're not getting any more dinner until you go help. This is a weird, confusing backstory that we give Earl here. And what are we in the third season? And all of a sudden, okay, so <laughs> Earl is going to help. This is, yeah, everybody's off character in this. <laughs> Earl is like, I'm going to help you get into shape. Says like the clearly incredibly big fat. Yeah, that everyone is constantly making fun of. Slovenly. Yeah. Yeah, and it's like, okay. So he reveals to Robbie and all of us that when he was in high school, he was very, very skinny. Mm -hmm. And there's a picture of him, like, skin and bones. He was a beanpole. He was a beanpole. People made fun of him. Mm -hmm. So then he got into bodybuilding and Robbie's like, no, you didn't. And he's like, I thought you'd say that. So, and then he puts down this fucking beefcake picture of himself yep. where he is like, it's poorly done. Like this picture is awful. <laughs> he's got muscles all over the place and he's wearing like a small lumberjack flannel. Speedo. Speedo. Banana hammock type yeah. thing. But the thing is, the weird thing is that's not what Dolph looks like. You it's know, not, like. Dolph also looks big and fat. Dolph looks like. He, like he does now. Dolph looks like Earl does now. Just like a very, very large, round dinosaur. Exactly. He's like, all right, I'm going to help you get into shape. I'm going to teach you my workout routine because no matter what the species, chicks dig big guys. Very helpful. So we get into this montage where Robbie is working out over the course of three weeks and mm -hmm. he's getting better at things. And Earl's created this like thermometer for, for right. Robbie's bicep size, where it's like he's going to go from the low 20s up to 36-inch biceps. That's yep. what he's after. I'll tell you what, there was a funny part in this where it goes between like Robbie doing curls, Robbie doing pull-ups, and then he's doing push-ups at one point, and Earl is counting them off. And there's a moment where Earl has trouble with like, he's like, 32, 33. Um, <laughs> it just made me laugh. It's a real throwaway, but it's funny. So he works out for three weeks and then they do a measurement and he's like, all right, you didn't actually gain any muscle. Right. No progress. Because it's been three weeks and yeah, maybe cool and, out a little bit. Yeah. And dad says the only intelligent thing he says this whole episode is you can't expect results right away. It's going to take four or five years. Yeah. You have to go the distance. And in typical teenager fashion, Robbie can't imagine anyone will still be alive in 45 years. Yeah. That is not going to work for him. So you cut to school and Robbie says, I quit. Yeah. <laughs> He's and not going to do this anymore. And Spike, who uh, normally can be counted on for dubious advice, is actually spot on. He says, you are who you are. Your size is part of what makes you you. Mm -hmm. You shouldn't be knocking yourself out trying to change that. And Robbie's not hearing any of it. And then Spike kind of mentions offhandedly, well, Dolph has an unfair advantage. And Robbie's Robert ears all about this. perk up. A shortcut? A cheat code to love? <laughs> Go on. <laughs> cheat code to love. No, I think I wrote that. That was my Super Mario <laughs> Brothers fan fiction back in the day where Luigi finally gets the girl. Aww. No, fucking, I'm making all this up. I would Aww. never do that. I wasn't that sad. Mega Man fan fiction, though. <laughs> yeah, Robbie uh, is like... What are you talking about? And Spike mentions Thornoids. Thornoids. And then when Robbie inquires further, Spike's like, they don't exist. I made it up. And then admits that they're little spiny things that people eat to increase their muscles. Robbie wants to know more, but Spike says no. Spike's like, you don't need them. You don't want them. He won't tell Robbie how to get them or use them, which is good. If, I mean, good for Spike because yeah. he knows he doesn't say they have terrible side effects. He's just like, you don't want to get involved with this in yeah. that like typical streetwise friend way of like, you can't handle the truth. <laughs> um, you can't, you you can't, can't handle, handle the thornoids. The thornoids. Uh, but luckily, Robbie just has to turn his head slightly to the left <laughs> to see Dolph taking Thornoids out of his locker. Yeah, and, and it's pretty them. disturbing considering they're little fuzzy. They look like kind of like talking earmuffs 
and they're in a box and they're all jumping around and, and yeah. they're like, you're a weakling. You're so small. You you're so us. tiny. You think you can eat me? And then like, he well. eats one. It's like, that thing was talking a moment ago. This is upsetting. And Dolph even comments on it. They're like, you're a jerk. And he's like, you're funny. And then he eats him and he goes, now you're gone. Yeah, Dolph's an idiot. Dolph can barely string a sentence together. Right. And then um, there's no visible effects on Dolph, but he like straightens up and goes, ah, I've been affected somehow. Yeah. And Robbie is on board. So Robbie breaks into Dolph's locker and consults a Thornoid before <laughs> eating it. He's first, he's like, do you guys make people bigger? Like, what's the deal? And the Thornoid's like, your mother. And then <laughs> and then he eats it and we I go wish, to commercial break. I wish our drugs would tell us about themselves. <laughs> right. They would just start spouting side effects. Yeah. You'd pick up a drug and it would be like, I do this and this and this, I but also this. I feel like that's this. the next step. Uh-huh. It's like, hi. You might have diarrhea or an increased risk of gambling, which is my favorite side effect. Have we talked about this? Yes. It's my favorite side effect that just pops up in some random drug commercials where it's like, if you experience an increased desire to gamble. Right, because it like, what, subdues your impulse control or something? It, it, it subdues the, the long-term consequences part of your brain. So mm-hmm. you're like, I can play this forever. I I'm feel, winning. I feel like we need that part of our brain. Yeah. Back at the house, we see the baby for the first time in this episode. And he the, is throwing a tantrum. Yeah, the, the makers of this episode are gambling that I won't turn it off <laughs> at this point. And it's pretty close. Uh, but luckily, it's just a second, and Robbie enters, and he's immediately, like, jacked. Yeah, so the baby, this is going to be important, has a spoonful of strained peas, and he throws it across the room, and it lands behind the fridge and prehistoric Peter Griffin can't get to it. Yeah. Uh, but Robbie comes in and his voice is deeper. As ripped AF. Earl, Earl's baby's like, I want to be just like Robbie. Where's my spoon? And Ro- uh, Earl says, it's stuck behind the refrigerator. Gone forever. <laughs> um, and But Robbie's like, uh, now I can get it. And he moves. He picks up the whole fridge and moves it over, gets the spoon. And Earl is like, wow, my exercise program has really paid off for you. Yeah. A bodybuilder at one point is like, yeah. One one night. I'm sure this Overnight. is all great. Yep. I just I just said otherwise a moment ago, but it's fine. Right. It may have been better for the dinosaurs to tackle this steroid issue because they can have this magical thing where it happens overnight as opposed to having the episode have to be months of time. Yes. So it's like this isn't steroids, they're thornoids. Yeah. And so this is a magical thing in our magical dinosaur world that happens overnight. The the problem with sitcoms and special episodes is that sitcoms are meant to take place in the course of like a little bit of time. Yeah. Like you can't be like this this episode takes place over a year. It just right. doesn't make any sense. So usually they'll have like dire warnings about what could happen in the future and they sum everything up and that's what makes it a little bit preachy is mm-hmm. like if you have one you're thinking about smoking a marijuana or jazz cigarettes <laughs> but if you do that your whole life will be immediately fucking ruined or a real cigarette and it turns out seventh grade athlete whatever his name was has cancer at the end of the <laughs> mouth episode cancer. mouth cancer small, small wonder. wonder I wish I could remember his name oh. I don't know the the least jockey jock least athletic jockey jock yeah we're in a specific show where they can have like oh these effects are immediate, immediate and you'll see exactly what's happening in both cases it doesn't really connect you the viewer with the actual consequences either one drag of a jazz cigarette will give me a uh, brain brain ideas <laughs> The reason I can't form that sentence is because I had a jazz cigarette oh, one time. Oh, no. Yeah. Uh, uh, are we done here? Because I need to go back to my gutter. <laughs> or you have this where it's like, it's so fantastical. We're not really telling you what the, the effects are. Like, yes, there's a Don't worry, I'll here. tell you all about them after we I'm, discuss the I'm episode. I'm sure you will. <laughs> but the dinosaurs, not so much. It's just problematic. Let's move along. Right. Fran Um, notices, this is a a runner in the episode, Fran notices that Robbie didn't move the refrigerator back, and Earl's like, well, I can do it, but he can't, and the baby laughs at him. It should be noted, Robbie's being very nice. He comes in, he's super ripped, but he's, like, very nice to his family, he's doing this favor, he's like... Kind of makes fun of Dad a little bit. A little bit, but always does. Yeah. That's not out of character. His voice is deeper. Pats a brother on the head. So he goes to school, and the other kids are really impressed by his overnight physical makeover. Yeah. He's getting a lot of double Once again... Do drugs. It'll work out great. Yep. And Robbie interrupts Dolph asking Caroline to the dance, which I think is my only thing that really made me actually chuckle. It's pretty good. Um, Caroline is, you, she's 
Robbie walks up to her on one side and you can't see what's on the other side of her because it's out of frame. And he he says, do you want to go to the dance or do you want to be the girl that gets to go to the dance with me? He's a real jerk about it. And she's like, I think Dolph's going to ask me. And and Robbie goes, how do you know? And she says, he's trying to finish a sentence right now. (laughs) And then the camera pans over and Dolph's on the other side of her trying to make words. There's a dance and... So Robbie and Dolph argue. Robbie says, well, I asked first. And then he punches Dolph. And then he says, we're going to that dance. And it works great. Caroline seems like way into this. Yeah, she never says yes, but she also doesn't say no or get upset that that Robbie just punches Dolph out of nowhere. And she stares at him worshipfully. And he's, in addition to being um, uh, an overnight hunk, he's also an overnight jerk. Yeah, that's the way that works. Yep. So Spike sees Robbie and calls him out on taking Thornoids. Well, first he takes another one. First, Dolph is lying unconscious on the hallway floor, and then Robbie oh. breaks into his locker and eats another sentient earmuff. <laughs> and then Spike is like, what's up with you? And he's uh, like, you're you you're hundred percent bigger than you were yesterday. Are you taking thornoids? And he's like, No. I might as well have like a heroin needle sticking out of my arm. And you're like, You doing heroin? He does because he has spikes sticking. So this is a visible side effect of thornoids, which we didn't know about before, is that sp- actual spikes grow out of your body. I believe we're trying to do like the the back knee thing right. a, a bit, but and mostly like Robbie yeah. says, I know you're swallowing spines, riding the wild noise. Popping porcupines. Really, they've really gone far here. Of course, Robbie gets very defensive and angry about this. And he's like, and he storms off. So now he just punched Dolph out of nowhere. He's been a jerk to Caroline. And he's now also alienating his best friend. And it seems that the effects are getting worse. Because he wasn't a dick at home. And he also didn't have spines. Now he's got a few spines on his hands. Or, you know, porcupine quills sticking out of his hands. And he's becoming more of a jerk. As he demonstrates now, we go to the home. And he wants to get into the bathroom but charlene is using the bathroom to wash her unmentionables in a sink yep is that is that how dinosaurs do that's how girls do uh robbie's impatient so he kicks in the door and throws the entire sink out into the hallway because he's like gross i don't want to see this and the soundtrack of psycho is playing while this is (laughs) happening it's really creepy music charlene just goes along with it she's like okay well i gotta go then i'm so sorry you're crazy terrified but, like, when he comes in first, he's like, okay, well, I guess it's your turn now. And then he throws it out in the hallway. He throws the sink out into the hallway. Right. And then he flexes in the mirror, but then he notices more spikes. Yeah, it's like, he's, like, first admiringly gazing at himself in the mirror, and then and then it becomes, what have I become? Because now he's got spikes sticking out of his chest and his shoulders, are, and they're everywhere. We're blowing right through nap time with all the life lessons we're learning <laughs> right true. here. We don't have it's time. True. It's like, uh-oh. I'm angry. Uh-oh, I have spikes. Flex. Uh-oh, time to go into the kitchen and alienate the rest of my family. <laughs> yeah, Earl, you only tell moving the fridge, and Robbie's like, yeah, no, I'm not going to help you move it yourself. It's all your food in there, tubby. Right, and then he breaks his brother's rattle, Yeah. and his mom is like, you are not going anywhere until you explain yourself, and he's like, I'm going to the dance. Don't wait up. And he exits in a cloud of prehistoric axe body spray, <laughs> I-, I assume. <laughs> So we go to the dance at school, and Caroline is not having a great time. Robbie apparently dumped the punch bowl on a guy who asked her what time it was, and now he thinks it's kiss o'clock. Yeah, he smoothly transitioned into, yeah, I beat up a guy. Hey, shouldn't we be kissing now? Which, Which, if you remember, is the call to adventure. Like, he already knew Caroline. They were already friends. He wanted wanted to kiss her. So he tries to pull her close to him and he's got spikes all st- stabbing out of himself yep. and he hurts her and she says I don't know what's wrong with you but maybe I should go and tries to ditch him in yeah. the hallway which he is not excited about getting very mad and the situation starts to spiral and I would say this is when we are approaching the inmost cave. Yeah here's the, the troublesome bit. Robbie says that she never went with him when she, he was skinny. She said he never asked yeah. which is totally fair. He says that he didn't think she liked him and she did. I don't think she did, though. Well, I think it's uh, the. This is the point where I actually gave points to the writing staff because he's like, "You never went out with me when I was skinny," and she says, "You never asked me." Sure. Which fair. is that is the whole thing is yeah. like you you don't get to say because you were too scared to ask a girl out that she preemptively rejected you. Yeah. You have to ask. You have to have the courage to ask, and then if they say no, you move on. But you don't get to blame someone. That's not. That's not at all what I mean to put. No, on, I'm not. On I'm Car- not no, no, no. About I'm just saying, even from our discussion earlier, I don't need to put any of this on on Caroline. It's just you don't 
at, at, there's a point at which she's like, what, do you just want to be Dolph? And it's like, yeah, because you said you were super attracted to Dolph. Right. Again, that doesn't guarantee that you get to date somebody, but you don't get to be high and mighty as well. Well, like, I'm just giving the writing staff points for making her, yeah. the, giving her this the line, is, you never asked me. too tight a rope to walk and I refuse to do it anymore. <laughs> uh, no, no, it's just, it's the old thing where it's like, you don't, Again, nobody owes you because you were you were nice or right. she was into you. Why didn't she, you know, come right out and tell you, you should ask me out? It's not yeah. that. Because she says, I did like you, but I don't now. Yeah. F- fair point, because now he's a total dick. And then um, Spike X Machina. Yeah, he's acting Spike like a... Spike X Ironically, now he's acting like a real deke. <laughs> she tries to go and he grabs her and he's like, you're not going anywhere, basically. And Spike jumps out from behind a blocker. Sure. And he's like, I'm hey. I'm pretty sure that, that most of Spike's activities are lurk-based. <laughs> just lurk-based. He picks one friend, and then he lurks on the fringes of their <laughs> life. So he says, Caroline, you should get back to the dance. There's like yeah. a decorations emergency. And she goes, and Spike, he absorbs the ire. Because now we're at the climax, the supreme ordeal. Robbie turns his ire on Spike, which not an uncommon trope that the hero turns his anger on the mentor when the journey goes south, sure. especially because he said the very first thing, the call to adventure was him being like, help me kiss Caroline. And Spike said, okay. And now here's his chance. He thinks in his mind to kiss Caroline mm. and Spike prevents him. Right. So they get into this big fight. It almost becomes a physical fight. But then Robbie gets stuck, stuck. on a locker. The spine's coming out of his back. He gets embedded in a locker, and Spike is like, you're making enemies of everyone. Robbie can't move, so Spike just gets to lecture him and say, like, look what this is costing you. It's costing you everyone. No one wants to be around you. Your whole family's upset. I don't know how Spike knows that, but I'm... It's weird, but you just just gloss right over that. Um, I was lurking the other day outside your window. And then Spike elects to leave Robbie stuck in the locker until the Thornards wear off. (laughs) We fade out with Spike going, I'm just going to sit right here and watch your muscles fall off. Right, basically watch him deflate, I guess. I guess, which takes a night. So that's the supreme ordeal, except it's like Robbie doesn't actually ever acknowledge until the next morning. Like, this is the climax, and he never goes, oh my god, you're right, what have I become? None of that. He just gets physically stuck in a place sure. where the Thornites have to wear off. Yeah, but part of this is like you're if you take these drugs, you're not going to be yourself mm-hmm. and you won't you won't be able to speak to reason. Right. So uh, it's it is a bit of a they're they're ducking the the personal responsibility here at the end, but at the same time, the whole point is you don't know what you're doing. You're out of control. Right. So the next morning we have the reward consequences. Robbie back to his former size. All the spikes are gone and his friend spike confusing. They could have called them thorns or something else. His Mm. friend spike walks him home. Uh, And like Kanye Westasaur once rapped, the plan was to take thornids till the pain over, but what's worse, the pain or that thornoid hangover. (laughs) Because that's what Robbie has. He has a thornoid hangover. Thornoid hangover. He's um, back to his skinny self, and he's in a daze. And and now we have an, a road back, which we don't always get in a sitcom right. where the hero is pursued by dark forces that were stirred up in the climax. Spike reminds Robbie that he really ruined things with Caroline. Robbie is remorseful about that. Spike then reminds Robbie that he has to apologize to his entire family. Yep. Robbie's really been bummed about that. Um, so Spike is just, and Spike is screaming because he knows he has a hangover. So Spike is really making sure that Robbie is duly apprised of all of the consequences of his actions of the last 24 hours. But then, to be fair, Earl comes in and he's like, you stopped exercising because he's a fucking moron. Right. And Robbie is about to admit that he took thornoids and Spike saves him from that. He's like, yeah, he stopped exercising. Yeah, Spike does everything right in this episode. Earl is a little bit scared of Robbie when he comes in. We assume Robbie's going to apologize to everyone in the family and everything's going to be okay, except that there's no one in the house now who can put the fridge back where it goes. It's still sitting in the middle of the kitchen. And Spike says, I'll help. And he opens the refrigerator, and I'd forgotten that this was a thing. Yeah, I forgot too until it happened. Little tiny hands of creatures start like reaching out of the refrigerator frantically yeah. because there's live animals in there for in the, the dinosaurs to eat, yep. which is fine, but they're little Muppet arms. So I am just picturing like, <laughs> we've caught Kermit and we put him in our fridge. <laughs> right. Kermit so on ice. Spike reaches in uh, and pulls out an entire side of ribs and starts eating it. And, and to their looks of disbelief, he says, what? I made it lighter. Spike is pretty huge. And I was like, maybe Spike can move it. But that's not what he was going for at all. That's not what Spike does, man. No. 
That's not Spike's thing. I can't lurk and move a refrigerator at the <laughs> same time. And give the best advice and bail my friend out and save girls from date rape and move this refrigerator. Yeah, he's no. like, he's just a cool pair of shades away from being a poochie, though. <laughs> So, 1993, let's talk about what's going on in, sure. in the world. What might have precipitated the dinosaur steroid scare of 1993? This, as, we, as it's referred to in history books. Yes. This was during the steroids era in Major League Baseball, yeah. but before everyone started to admitting to having used them, which was around 1998. Mm-hmm. This was just when, like, all of these ball players were breaking home run, run records and everyone's just performing at this level and it was just kind of like crazy and kids are seeing this and being like oh man I want you know I want to be as big as that guy I want to do as well not to mention all of the body dysmorphia and eating disorders and all that stuff that goes on with teenagers right. at any point in history you're comparing yourself to your peers you're trying to figure out what the opposite sex or the same sex or whoever you want to be with what they like and make yourself you're looking at celebrities trying to constantly figure out how to make yourself into something and i mean it it can be dangerous but also when you're a teenager it can be very quick your body is very um malleable because it's still growing you can really fuck it up and you can change it really quick and so that's a thing teenagers have always done Mm -hmm. steroid after school specials are still being made you can find them on youtube i found one from 2009 2010 2013 use of steroids is actually going up In 1993, 1 in 45 high school students used anabolic steroids. In 1997, it was 1 in 27. And today, it's 1 in 16. As kids continue to have easier and easier access to things, and as school athletic programs become more and more competitive, steroid use among teenagers is only going up. It's now, it's a little bit easier to point to it and be like, look, there's... There's definite damage that you're doing, and you can look at, you know, not to disparage anybody, but you can look at, like, Sylvester Stallone now. He's been using human growth growth hormones and steroids, recently admitted these things, mm-hmm. and he doesn't look like a, a natural person. His body doesn't look like... So you can point to those sorts of things, but at the time it was like, well, do you like these professional wrestlers and these professional athletes? They're doing steroids and everything's just great. And the hyper-masculinity of movies like Rambo and Terminator Mm -hmm. and where the action hero is an enormous person, you know, just the biggest person you've ever seen. And that's the guy that saves everyone and gets the girl. That's the body type we're promoting. There was a movie made in 1994 Mm -hmm. based on true story starring Ben Affleck called A Body to Die For, the Aaron Henry story. Oh, okay, yes. And I read an article, an interview with Aaron Henry, the guy that is the movie's based on. And he says he took steroids to become the best football player at his high school in St. Charles, Minnesota. Mm -hmm. And after two and a half years of abusing the drugs, he had two heart attacks, kidney damage, bleeding kidneys, kidney stones. Three-fourths of his stomach was covered in open sores. He used a drug to back up the steroids, and that resulted in an allergic reaction that required him to have holes drilled in his skull to drain the blood. Years of lifting weights on a 15-year-old frame that couldn't properly handle the weight caused him to have three operations on his back, and then he had mental problems that the steroids may have caused, which drove him to attempt suicide. It's not just like, oh, you look not like a regular teenager, you look bigger. It's all these internal problems and psychological problems that can Mm. go along with it, especially for teenagers whose bodies are still developing. The side effects range from hair loss and acne to heart disease, strokes, liver cancer, it's and and suicidal thoughts. I mean, it's sure. all bad. It's just all bad. Speaking again of professional wrestlers and those in contact sports, it adds a level of aggression to an already yeah, rage. troubling. Yeah, to to uh, somebody who's constantly receiving concussions, which we already know to be problematic, mm-hmm. and promote aggression. Mm-hmm. So those those two, while they're not directly tied to incidents like O.J. Simpson or Chris Benoit, a wrestler who killed his entire family. Yep. It certainly ain't helping. And another good thing to look at is this documentary called Bigger, Stronger, Faster. It's not gonna tell you to not do steroids is the thing. If I remember it correctly, it's been a while since I've seen it. It doesn't attack steroid use, but it does show its problematic relevance in sports and bodybuilding Mm -hmm. and how it's about a guy who he and his brothers idolized Schwarzenegger and, and Stallone and people like that. But the things that you have to do in order to 
get that done. It's almost exactly related to, but the opposite of this idea of idolizing super skinny models if you're a girl and starving yourself uh, and, and, uh, and being hypergymnastic and working out all the time and and shrinking your body yeah. to an unsafe size. There's another documentary called I Want to Look Like That Guy from 2009. It was written and directed by Stuart McDonald. It's a, a guy who, you know, has done weightlifting in the past, is reasonably fit, and he's like, well, I want to, I'm going to undergo what it takes to look like, Yeesh. Uh, uh, you know, uh, Chris Hemsworth. Or, and document uh, uh, it. Yeah, and document mm -hmm. it. And the things that you have to do are so incredibly destructive and time-consuming and just... It's nearly impossible unless you have a studio paying you right. and you already are physically inclined to look like that. Right. Uh, one of the greatest things that's happened in the last few years as far as like male image is Channing Tatum tweeted, hey, I'm shooting Magic Mike right now. It takes me a week to get into the shape, like a week of intense work and starvation to get, not starvation, but to get into the shape that I look like on the camera, and it only lasts for 20 hours. Wow. So he's like, it's... I love Channing Tatum. Yeah, I'm just... Look, I grew up in this era, and I've got all sorts of body dysmorphic issues, and, and I've had eating disorders in the past, and it's difficult. It is... A level of perfection that's presented as normal. Yeah. And I mean, it's just, it's as widespread. And I'm not saying th this to discount anybody on any side, but it's also not discussed regularly. It's it's noted uh, more often that the standards to which women are held are, are destructive uh, to young people. And I think it goes both ways. It definitely goes both ways. I think that there is definite, it's unrealistic and dangerous on both sides. And I just finished reading this book called American Girls, Social Media and the Secret Lives of Teenagers by Nancy Jo Sales, who you might or might not remember as having written the book that Sofia Coppola's movie, The Bling Ring, was yes. okay, based I on. Yes, I knew that name. She wrote this book that came out two years ago, and it's fascinating, but she talks about now it isn't just like, oh, look at all these people on TV and in magazines I have to compare myself to. Because everyone has social media, mm -hmm. it's like, look at all the girls in my class and yeah. the bikini shots that I can look at and all, you know, like, and all of the boys are asking the girls for nude pictures, like mm -hmm. in the sixth grade. And yeah. oh my, it's just, it really, I don't have a, you know, teenage child and it was really eye opening for me to read. Sure. But she just talks about, you used to have a handful of people to compare yourself to as a teenager that were the ideals. And now right. it's. It's every single person that you know. Yeah, constantly, so just all day, all every day. day. And it's quantifiable. You can see my selfie only got 65 likes and that girl that sits next yeah. to me in chemistry got 85 likes. So she's that much prettier than me. You know, just stuff we never even had to think about. But And likewise, it's held up as a level of success now with the Kylie Jenner being the quote unquote first self-made female billionaire. Kylie Jenner and most media influencers by their looks and by their, you know, projection of perfection. So there you go. That's a catchy fucking phrase. Make money off of, you know, just selling their image directly. Right. So right. that's all. Um, to circle back around to teenage athletes and steroid use, as I mentioned, the, the statistic says that today it's one in 16 high school students using anabolic steroids. I found that statistic on the website of the Taylor Hooten Foundation. The Taylor Hooten Foundation is a nonprofit organization leading a national campaign to educate youth and their adult influencers about the dangers of appearance and performance enhancing drugs, mm. including anabolic steroids. HGH, and unregulated dietary supplements. The Taylor Hooten Foundation was formed in the memory of Taylor Hooten, a 17-year-old high school student-athlete from Plano, Texas, who took his own life in 2003 after using anabolic steroids. Mm. Uh, his family, friends, and parents founded the organization to try to spread the word about these supplements and steroids and how kids are getting them and what parents can look for as, as warning signs of usage and what schools can be doing. And you can visit the website at taylorhooten.org and they have all kinds of resources and frank discussions about what's going on and how you can spot it if you're a parent and how you can help if you if you want to help out. This is just sort of a troublesome topic. So if you're having any issues whatsoever, please look into getting help. It's it's not something that you're going to be able to like look out into the world and immediately somebody's going to validate the actual 
impression you should be getting. You're going to have to like go and look if you're having troubles with this. You're going to have to seek out help. And I suggest you do that. Uh, Let's let's wrap this up. What did you learn from this episode? I did watch this when it aired, but I didn't realize that this was a Jim Henson joint. So (laughs) I was uh, and then in, in a little bit of my outside research, it was this thread of like they created the creature shop here in L.A., Mm-hmm. to make dinosaurs. And then when the show was canceled after four seasons, about 35 people that had moved here from London right. didn't want to move back to London. So they just kept the creature shop open here. And a few years later, Steven Spielberg showed up and said, help me make Jurassic Park. There so go. there's a straight what? line between there dinosaurs is. and Jurassic <laughs> Park, which I thought was pretty fun. We uh, did it. I don't, it's hard to say what I, I learned from this. I, I think the, the idea that it's a different take on why it's so difficult to discuss special topics uh, uh, is something that I learned here because of the fact that this has to, this specific series has to create something entirely fantastical and quick reacting in order to get their point across. Uh, and but it's an, and <laughs> little talking yeah. things. So worrisome. I learned that Christopher Maloney was in this. Yeah. <laughs> There's that. I learned that. Uh, and who did you want to hug? I guess I wanted to hug Caroline because she seems a little bit caught up in this high school. She doesn't seem to quite know what she wants and the the politics of high school seem to be sort of interfering. Yeah. Uh, and she's also just kind of keeps putting herself in situations with boys that are much bigger and stronger than she is where she doesn't really have much agency mm-hmm. and then just kind of they walk all over her and then they walk away and so I think I would have hugged Fran just because <laughs> she did her best in this episode to make things right and everybody else was like we don't have time for that Fran <laughs> we have to fuck everything up excuse us excuse us please step aside while we jump off this cliff it's usually the voice of reason just underutilized in this episode yeah. for sure yeah and that's as the mom usually is in this formula with yeah. like oafish dad unreasonably hot mom mm-hmm. and did you think Fran was unreasonably hot for him did you don't you think I didn't uh, it's go that to whole Juilliard. king of queens uh, family guy so real uh, Leah Remini is Fran to you yes you're saying that you consider Fran Sinclair to be a hot mom yep okay well I, I want to change my what I learned today <laughs> <laughs> Uh, and that's dinosaurs, folks. We had a good time. We hope you did, too. Hey, Andrew, what are we watching next time? Next time, Chelsea, we're going to be watching uh, the show chock full of special episodes, mm-hmm. Blossom. Yep. We're starting at the very start. We're watching Blossom. Season one, episode one, Blossom Blossoms. You can catch that on Hulu. If you want, I suggest you watch all of them. We're going we're <laughs> to study, study up now because each and every one of them will appear on this show. Yeah, it's a master class in very special episodes. Absolutely. So we'll see you next time. Bring snacks. Thank you for listening to Hugging and Learning. If you want to visit us online, our website is huggingandlearning.com, where you can find links to all the articles we talked about today, as well as our post office box where you can mail us snacks. Subscribe to our podcast, rate and review, and tell your friends about us. If you want to drop us a line, you can email us at huggingandlearningpodcast at gmail.com. You can tell us about the experiences you've had with things we talked about. Or you can send us suggestions on which episodes we should do next. Our podcast is produced by Miles Pulaski, who also wrote our theme music. I'm Andrew. And I'm Chelsea. See you next time. Bring snacks.